You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move. Today, my featured guest is Derek Stone. And you can find him at DerekStone.online, DerekStone.online. And Derek, after working to support his family as a struggling artist, chose to reevaluate his life and his way of thinking. And in three short years, grew a small one-man show into a multi-million dollar construction business. This amazing transformation came about through one decision to forgive his father. Derek left the path of blame and began traveling down a path of forgiveness, which led him to start living his best life. He is now on a mission to help empower others to make the same transformation that he made by helping them take charge of their own lives. 
So Startup Nation, yes, this is a business show. And yes, I bring on guests to not only just talk about business, but to talk about life, struggle, relationships. It's all connected. And if you think it's not, you're an idiot. It is. You know that. What good is making all the money in the world if you go home miserable every day? Answer me that. What good is it? How many wealthy millionaires and billionaires are out there that you know of or personally know who are miserable? They spend all their life gathering money and losing relationships. What's the point? On their deathbed, they're going to die with regret. Don't be one of those people. And the big thing that's holding you back and all of us back and all those millionaires and billionaires this big hidden blind spot, I believe behind all of us is we don't want to forgive people that hurt us. And we definitely don't want to ask for forgiveness from people we've hurt. It takes humility. So we're going to have that conversation today. Yes, we're going to talk about business and money and we're going to get Derek's three tactical tips and strategies because you want to know how do you make more money, more money, more money. But here's my point. Make the money. Do good with the money. But make the money without stealing time from God, from your spouse, from your kids, from your friends and family. That's a good life. So Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you for letting me do that little rant of mine there. Um, And welcome to your first 100K. Go ahead and fill some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh yeah, thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's an honor uh, to be here. I think you um, hit the nail on the head. One of the big things that I love about what you talked about earlier was Aaron Walker at uh, ISI interview from the, or yeah, view from the top, sorry. Um, And what he has, he says that really just got me attracted to him was the fact that he said, you know, you could come home with a pocket full of money and a house full of strangers. Mm. And um, when, when my business did over a million dollars, I was staring that right in the face. And so um, I had to, I had to get around some like-minded people to call me out and say, Hey, you, you know, you, you're, you're doing this this way and this is wrong. How's that going to affect your wife? How's that going to affect your kids? You know, and really just kind of, making you go look in the mirror and, and ask the hard questions of what are you doing? Like, what, like, why are you doing it? And who's, who's, what are you sacrificing to make that happen? So, so startup nation, the reason why I brought Derek onto the show is because he wrote the book on forgiveness. His book's called, why should I forgive? Yep. That's yep. the question we all have. Why should I forgive my dad who hurt me? Why should I forgive that person who abused me? Why should I forgive my mother who did me wrong? Why should I forgive my brother, my sister? Why should I forgive my ex-friend or my ex-relationship, my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend? Why should I forgive? They hurt me. Right. And that was the reason that, you know, why should I forgive? That question comes from a place of of anger and discontent, you know, and, and what I wanted to really fill in for people was because the next question they often asked is, but how can I? All right. But before we go there, a lot of us are not there yet. We're not at the, how can I? Mm -hmm. So let's help us get there, Derek. Mm -hmm. Let's bring it into the, our business lives because we're business people. That's why we listen to the show. For sure. So there's a listener right now who has a relationship 
that they know needs forgiveness, needs to be restored. It's broken. Why should they forgive? Why is that important? And how is that negatively impacting their business by them allowing that unforgiveness to remain in their life? I think they're, they're locking themselves in their own prison cell um, of torment. And, and even Jesus talks about that. He says, you know, he had, the disciples ask him, Lord, how do we pray? And he says, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it's that as we part, people forget it. They leave that as we part out, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those. And I had this vision while I was running one day where I was locked in this like European prison cell and um, it's dark and dim and, and, and everything and dingy. And all of a sudden this white figure starts walking dressed in white and this light is following them. When they get close, I kind of stand up and they, I realize that it's, it's, it's me like, like all pimped out. And uh, I walk up and uh, so I meet the, I meet me at the door all dressed in white clothes and he hands me this key and on the, the hand of the key um, on the the, 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 the handle of the key, it says, forgive. And when I look up at him, all these people start appearing kind of like ghosts, transparent, all these people who have offended me and hurt me. And, um, and then the, the light on the lock of the door, the prison cell uh, illuminates and I stick the forgiveness key in it and turn it and all those people disappear. And it lets me out of my own prison. So, so much of forgiveness is 100% a choice. But the problem that, that holds people back from forgiving is that they, they want to feel like the person that they're offering their forgiveness to is worthy of it. Yes. And so they hold on to it and, and true forgiveness is given away freely. All right. So say, you know, we're listening right now to you, Derek, and man, you're hitting a nerve. Darn it. It's irritating. <laughs> but we know you're right. We know we need to forgive that person in our life right now. Yet, we also know even after we forgive them, they're going to keep doing the same thing. They haven't grown out of that place that they are in their life. Maybe they're not where we are. Maybe we've done the inner work. They haven't. They refuse to. So why should I forgive them if I know they're only going to hurt me again and possibly in the very same way. Well, to that person, I would say that forgiveness is for you. Trust is for them. You can forgive somebody, but not trust them. And let me put that into perspective for people. So I can forgive my abuser who abused me when I was eight to 12 years old, sexually abused me. Um, I can forgive them, but I'm not going to let them come in and babysit my boys. Am I? Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. So what you're doing is that you're forgiving them, but you're not ever going to trust them. Now, sometimes there's relationships you have to be in where you have to, they have to re-earn trust. And if they're not doing that, then, then at that point you need to put a boundary because they're going to make you a doormat and, and they're just going to keep hurting you because you're allowing it to happen. So a lot of the times for people, you know, it's, it's, it's putting those boundaries up in their life. You know, yeah, I forgave you. It's just like, say somebody steals, you know, $10,000 or $12,000 from you in business. You can forgive them. That's fine. But are you going to trust them with a penny? Absolutely not. I would hope not, you know? Um, so setting boundaries, people, people think they feel guilty about setting a boundary for somebody who they've forgiven. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the first to tell you that, that boundaries are necessary, you know, because like you said, they're just going to keep taking advantage of your forgiveness if you keep offering it. 
and which means they're going to be take, keep taking advantage of you. Thank you for that answer. I appreciate that. Let's go back in time. Let's talk about that transformation that came through a decision to forgive your father. Go back there. Tell us that story quickly, um, but really give us the details and how you came to forgive him, what you forgave him for, and what happened after. For sure. I, when I when I did when my business did over a million dollars in revenue, uh, I, for some reason I just wanted to go back because I was so grateful. I think that's where it was. I was so grateful. I wanted to go back to see what it was that triggered my journey to success. And two things happened. All those roads pointed back to these two decisions that I made. It was one was uh, I was at a conference, stomping out the darkness conference uh, with uh, Dave Park, and um, he wrote a book called The Bondage Breaker. Really great book. And uh, in that conference, he says, some of you need to forgive a, a parent or a sibling or an uncle or an aunt. And all this started welling up in me. And um, I said, why should I forgive him? You know, because he wasn't there. You know, I was abused because he wasn't there. My, my, you know, the lights got cut off because he wasn't there. We didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And um, I just felt like it was in my, my, my teenage brain. I was trying to process of somebody's got to be to blame for all this mess. And so he just so happened to be the thing. Well, when, when I was at this conference, this voice came to me, I believe it was the Holy Spirit said, Derek, I want to use you, but I can't because you have this bitterness towards your dad. And again, I got angry and hollered at him. Why should I forgive? Well, then the voice came back to me as if I didn't just holler at him and said, because I'm the father to the fatherless. And see, I wanted to know what that was like so bad for somebody to tell me I had what it took to tell me that I was enough and to show me what it was like to be a, a godly man uh, that I said, you know what, if you'll give me that, I'll give you this. And um, from that day on, I started praying that God will restore the relationship between me and my, my real dad, my biological dad. And um, six years later, I'm in the deer woods hunting and I get this random phone call from my dad. And he says, uh, Derek, you got a second? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he said, look, I don't want to be known as somebody who walked out on their kids. And I want to be in your life. I want to be in, in my grandkids' life. And, and I just, I want to ask, you know, I want to apologize for the way that I've treated you guys for the past 10 years and want to ask if you'll forgive me. And uh, I put a big smile on my face and said, Dad, I forgave you a long time ago, but I've been praying for this day for a while, six years. And um, what that happened in the next month was that I've been praying about this fatherly blessing, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, you talk about, you, you read about that in the Old Testament. And I just wanted it so bad. I knew my brothers weren't going to ask for it. My sister wasn't going to ask for it. So I just asked my dad, I said, hey, would you give me this blessing? And he said, absolutely. And he said, let me pray about it. So he called me a month later and he said, you know, he spoke over me. He goes, you ready? And I said, yeah. And he spoke over me, Deuteronomy 28. And, you know, you'll be blessed and going and coming. You'll be the head, not the tail. You know, your, your, your fields, you'll be the, the, the lender, not the borrower. And I just felt like I was being knighted. And, and all the events that happened after those, the, the, those two decisions, especially that one where I was, where he spoke the blessing over me, my life just changed dramatically. We moved to Nashville, tried to figure some stuff out and finally realized that I just had to go do the work to be a, to, to be a, a, a business owner and to be successful. And that's what I did. And, and we started this construction company and, and haven't looked back. It's been great. It's pretty powerful. That's a great story. <laughs> um, Startup Nation, you're listening right now to Derek and you're going, whoa, that, he, he just ran through that story so quick, but there were some really powerful nuggets in there. Um, one, forgiveness from his biological dad who wasn't present. How many of us have suffered that wound? How many of us are living with that bullet 
still inside of us, even now as adults. Well, what happens if you leave a bullet inside of you and don't have it surgically removed over time? It gets infected, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so many times we think, well, I, you know, I'm just managing, I'm dealing with it, I'm coping, I'm living with it. I, I walk a little funny, but you know, I'm good, I'm good. It's <laughs> like, no, dude, you're dying on the inside. From the inside out, there's an infection happening. Eventually, it will take your life. You must have it surgically removed. So for all my faith-based listeners out there, Derek is sharing that his heavenly father is the one that removed that bullet for him. But he chose it. He, he gave God permission uh, to do that heart surgery that was much needed. So each of us could do the same. I know I did that personally as well. So I really connect with you on that, Derek. And, uh, but just to hear that there's like all this blessing after. I mean, that's what we all want. We don't want the forgiveness part. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. For sure. We want the blessing part. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing you say is, we can't get the blessing part until we do the work in the forgiveness part. Is that correct? Yeah. I was for sure. I mean, I was two hours in that facility on the ground crying, just broken and forgiving anybody that came to my heart in that moment. My mom, my abuser, my dad, anybody that had had hurt me in the past just, and, and what was crazy is that when I stood up from that, that event, you know, that, from, you know, being broken, two things had changed. One, I, I no longer felt the need to nurse the facade that I'd been living behind, which was I'm a party looking for a place to happen. And the the other thing that happened was like, I no longer felt the, the burden that I've been carrying around for all those years. It was just gone. Like I felt free. Uh, like I'd been let out of a cage. It was, it was, it was pretty crazy. Wow. That's powerful. You know, I knew in my own business life, I didn't know I was carrying that burden. Mm. I was also that party just looking for a place to happen, not realizing as I'm, you know, losing, partying away my fortune after I had early success and, and I'm hitting rock bottom, not realizing that there was this ball and chain around me I've been dragging for the past 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it becomes almost like a part of you, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you don't realize. And sometimes speak to us about this. Sometimes letting go of that unforgiveness, that hurt, that wound feels like losing a part of us. So Mm -hmm. we avoid doing it because the chain feels like it's a a limb, like it's a third arm. Mm -hmm. Speak to us about that. Yeah. I, I think that it's, you know, it goes back to that, you know, when you're in pain, you have to have a painkiller. A lot of people experience a painkiller and the painkiller is their anger. And, you know, I talk about in the book, you know, the cost of bitterness and how so many times we try to inflict these wounds that we, we just, when Jesus talks about, you know, you're, you're causing your own torment. A lot of it, it's not talking about a band of demons with flamethrowers. He's talking about your mental health. You know, he's, he's talking about, you know, your sanity, your, your ability to process emotions, um, how you get so clouded because of this revenge and this anger and this bitterness you have and this resentment towards people that, um, you know, it clouds your judgment. It clouds your thoughts. It clouds, it clouds how you make decisions. It clouds, um, you know, your ability to process any, you know, anything. And, 
and when we hold on to that stuff, we don't let it go. It's just, it's really just because every human only has so much capacity to, to, to process and to live in their heart and in their mind. You know, uh, I laugh about this, but a couple months ago, my wife was saying, Derek, you're not completing your sentences. And then a couple of people that work for me says, dude, you, you just jumped for three thoughts. And so what happened was they were, they were calling my wife and saying, what did he just say? <laughs> or what are we supposed to do? And it's because us entrepreneurs were always looking around the corner. I was thinking about the next thing instead of being present in the moment and or having a process to, 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 to process those things. And so I started doing these brain dumps where at the end of the day, I would start putting everything down on paper that my mind was still reeling about so that I could focus on my family when I got home. And, and so, and this just, it just goes to prove the fact that, and, and then I would tell my, my guys in my mastermind about it and they would be like, dude, this is me two years ago. This was me a year ago, you know? And they said, they were sharing with me, sharing with me the, the thing that they did to, to process that or to get out of that, that area of, they, they thought it was dangerous. Well, I think it, it, I thought it was dangerous. And so um, just, to, just in the capacity to be able to hold things in and, and be able to let things go and take stuff in and, and, and give life to people, it's, it's, a, it's a huge burden to carry. And, and the, the true antidote is forgiveness. And because when I look at, when, when I, I believe that when, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus on the cross. And for true forgiveness to happen, something has to die. And what I, what I tell people, like, sometimes you have to let, when death happens, you mourn. And what, what a lot of us need to mourn is the thought of what could have been, because that's what messes us up. That's what, that's what trips us up so bad is the thought of what could have been. What, what could my life have been like if that person wouldn't have cheated on me? What could my life have been like if that person wouldn't have stole from me? What could my life have been like if I would have still had my innocence? And you have to take those things and get, get with some trusted friends or, or by yourself and, and, and pray and, and help just ask God to help you process those things. You know, that was me. It's the Holy Spirit. Tell me, bring these people to my, to their names to my heart and, and let me, let me pray through that. This is the person, this is what they did. It made me feel like this, you know, and, and you know what, I'm going to forgive those people. And, and that's, that's the, so many times we get caught up in that, but it is the, the reeling of what could have been. It's the fear of missing out, right? Um, that we hold on to and we allow it to drive us. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I say forgiveness is so crucial and important to life. I also hear you saying that forgiveness is crucial and important to business success. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, big time. Startup Nation was speaking with Derek Stone. He wrote the book on forgiveness. It's called Why Should I Forgive? You can find him at DerekStone.online. DerekStone.online. Now, Derek, I am going to ask for your top three tips and strategies. So after you forgave your dad, uh, then you, you know, you were already doing a million though at that point, right? So the forgiveness didn't actually stop you from bringing in the money. But I, what I'm hearing you say is the forgiveness stopped you from enjoying the money and being truly happy and fulfilled with the money. Is that about right? Or am I getting well, it? Where it was, it was, I forget my dad when I was 19. I didn't start seeing business success until I was 27. But it took okay. six years for my, that call to happen when my dad called me. Mm. Six years for that, me praying, God, would you restore this relationship? And I reached out a couple of times with no prevail. And, and my dad was a, is, is a godly guy, man. He was just hurt bad you know and so 
when he reached out when I was like 26 or 27, he, he spoke that blessing over me a month later. And then, um, that's when everything started changing for me. I was something just kept stopping me, you know? Um, and I, I think a lot of it was a poverty mentality was the get rich quick, you know, quick, 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 you know, what can you do to get rich quick? I mean, I tried all kinds of stuff, but nothing ever gave me the success that I enjoy today. Like just doing the work, you know, put, putting in the work. And that sucks. People hate hearing that, you know, <laughs> it's like, just do the work. It's you always know, as it's bad, bad as hearing. I have to go forgive someone. That's exactly right. You know, I'm, I'm all about these bombs up in here just to tell you how it is. But, but yeah, um, nothing has allowed me the success I have now is just without just doing the work. You got it. You got it in there. Sometimes put the sweat on. I call it putting my tool belt on cause I'm a general contractor now, but, um, all right. Tell us your three tips and strategies that you used uh, to hit the 100K mark. And it sounds like hit your first million mark. Yeah. Um, perseverance, uh, duplicating yourself and then systematize as you go. So perseverance is that so many times, I mean, you just want to quit. Some, something will happen. Some, you know, just it, you got to be able to, to, to process that stuff and move through that stuff through adversity and, and persevere. Um, and I learned that from Andy Andrews, his book, The Traveler's Gift, uh, his seven decisions for personal success. Um, duplicating yourself. I learned from Chick-fil-A. I was a certified grand opening trainer for them before I left. Uh, I worked with them for seven years. And that last year I was a certified grand opening trainer. So they'd fly me all over the place and I'd open up their stores. And it, and it blew my mind how the value of a duplicatable system which goes into the next one, but how I could teach people how to cook all that chicken and do the recipes and everything in, in four days. And I would just jump in in a pinch if they got behind. And so that's when I started, you know, one, they just say, when you duplicate yourself, you duplicate how you think, how you process, how you make decisions. And so when you can duplicate yourself, uh, you, you just, you're creating more of you. And then uh, systematizing as you go, which was when I started really seeing success, we went from 68,000 in one year to 320,000 mm -hmm. that year. It was the fear of that kept me from growing was the fear of trusting somebody with my name. And once I got over that and started hiring my first person, it was a system. Every time I would, I would come up with a hurdle or a challenge, I would systematize it. You know, like the first guy I hired the first day I put him into work and he got the first punch list on his list. He's like, what is this? What is that? So then I said, he called me literally in an hour, 20 times you know, trying to get definitions. So then what I did is I put together a definition list and I walk all the new hires. I'd walk them through a house and I'd point, this is what this is. This is what that is. This is a doorknob. This is, you know, door casing. And so I would just systematize as I went, you know, when we started running into our first audit, we got by a workman's comp audit, you know, I had to pay him $11,000. I was like, Holy crap. I just wrote him a check because I was going too fast. You know what I'm saying? You're just going too fast. You're, you're a guy on the run, you know? And so um, then you, you solve the problem. So you said, okay, so every one of these guys has to have a workman's comp opt out. Every one of them has to have insurance. And I like, yep. So, so then we made that a requirement. Every time we bring in somebody, we have a, a grace period of 30 days. And then after that, you have to have it. So it's just systematizing as you go, as you onboard people. That, that's so important because a lot of times you'll hear later in business, like five, six, seven years that you need to systematize. And then you're trying to go back and remember, like, what did I do here? And what are we doing here? Or everything's just chaos and you don't know you know what you did. So it's, that's why I just say it's super crucial to systematize as you go and then, you know, reevaluate your systems every year and see if something needs to go and you need to develop something new. So I think you just hit some powerful things. Now I've heard these on the show so many times, persevere, duplicate yourself, systematize, but you really broke that down uh, very simply, especially the third one, systematize 
as you go versus systematize after you get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very powerful because I've run into that in multiple uh, ventures that I've, you know, started and founded where I could not remember how did I used to do that day one or whatever. <laughs> what was it like to be a new person in this or make that first phone call to that client? And I would guess half the time, which meant I was, I was creating systems that weren't actually accurate right. for those people to do. So I was going to get you know, inaccurate results or data from that. So right. not a good way to do it. So I really like what you're saying, systemize as you go. How do you take the time to stop that? Or like, like you're on the go. The mentality is cash. We got to bring in cash. We need more money, right? You're building, you're growing. Mm -hmm. So where do you fit in that time? Is that something you just do at the end of the day? You're like, okay, what did we learn today? Okay, what do I have to systemize? How did you do that? What does that look like? Frustration. A lot of frustration <laughs> for real. Like, so, I mean, I would hire the guy like literally he would hire, he would, he called me that one time and I was in another house. So it was like, I'm, I'm trying to do my job yet. He's calling me 20 minutes, you know, 20 times. I've got to figure this out. So the next two guys that I brought in, which was three weeks later, I brought those two guys and I literally had the list in my hand. I developed it that quick because it was just like, sometimes you gotta, you gotta just do stuff. You know, you, you, as you, you see it. And now now I allocate my Tuesdays or kind of my, my planning days, my, my look at it, all the system days, my implementation days. Like I try to, I try to have one of those creative days a week to where I can, I can really focus on the business at hand, the task at hand. What are we doing? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? And then setting some goals and then working, I, I call it reverse engineering your goals. So you set the goal and then you reverse engineer it to, to achieve it. I definitely get that. So for my listener right now that's saying, I'm not a systems guy or gal like Derek is. Obviously, you know, he did, he worked for Chick-fil-A. He went around as a corporate guy and duplicated, duplicated. He knows about systems. I don't know how. I'm just a one person operation. I'm about to hire someone, but I'm scared. What do you say to them? There are a bunch of businesses that help you create systems. 12 week year. Uh, there's another one called Traction. There's another one, uh, Scott Beebe. I don't know if you're ever familiar with him, but he has a, a book called Let Your Business Burn, but he owns business on purpose. And that's what they do is they just systematize. They help people, uh, small entrepreneurs, I'd say 2 million or less. Sometimes they do bigger. He does have some clients that are way up higher than that, you know, 175 million, I think. But they help people duplicate or create their systems and processes. You know, what is this person doing? I would, I would just, it's almost like you have a, a blank sheet of paper beside each of your employees and you just tell them throughout the day, just write down what you do. You know, it's like, what do you do? And then you can bring it together at the end of the week and you can evaluate, or why do you do that task? And, and you simplify it, you know, how, well, if you cut that step out and did this, this, and this, would that be the same result? And they're like, oh yeah, it would be the same result. So you're also maximizing efficiencies at the same time. Awesome. I'm glad I asked that question. You broke that down well. All right. We're listening to Derek Stone. You can find him at DerekStone.online. Derek, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. Questions. Uh, you'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? The freedom. What's your least favorite thing? The problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you're like, you're the official problem solver. Absolutely. What are you most afraid of? Um, 
uh, I would say my family not appreciate it one day when I'm old and gone. Mm. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Working. Yeah. Instead of managing. I should have been managing. Yeah. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. What are you struggling with uh, either personally or professionally right now? Stress. Stress. You want to say any more about that? <laughs> Stress. Uh, yeah, it's just, um, there's just a lot going on right now with COVID coronavirus. Um, we've been slammed through this whole thing, like doing construction. We were deemed essential, but we've just been slammed and we took on, you know, three $30,000 jobs right now. And they're all just in different places. And, and I just wrote myself a note earlier this morning is notice the pattern to try to fix the stress because notice the pattern of why I'm getting stressed out and figure out what I can do to solve the problem and do and and, you know, delegate if I got to. So you're problem solving on yourself. It sounds like that's right. Absolutely. What secret fear do you have about people? Oh, people. Um, uh, that they're going to take advantage of me. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? That you assume that everyone wants your help and that is not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one hits me hard, man. I used to do this thing I called unsolicited coaching, you know, and that's a quick way to lose friends fast. It's like start coaching people on their, <laughs> on their flaws without them actually asking for help. Very oh, bad yeah. recipe, by the way. Uh, yeah. What's a new habit you want to form? Um, new habit, Lord. Um, being more strategic, implementing more strategically. I would say implementing more strategically. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Um... I don't say I procrastinate anymore, but sometimes there's some things it's setting, let's say setting priorities from, mm. from me and my team. Sometimes that's a struggle. Got it. And pick three words to describe who you are now. Three words, uh, author, general contractor, speaker. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Uh, I was invincible. Uh, three words. Good job. I was invincible. <laughs> I was invincible. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Cocky too, people. Uh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and last question, Derek, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, give them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them? Um, I'd say whatever you feel in your heart that you want to go do, um, have a decided heart and go after it with everything you got. Um, because in the, in the world, in the real world, there's no room for indecisiveness. You, you, you really have to make decisions fast and sometimes they're not the right decisions, but they, um, you have to do what you feel in your heart's the best. And, and that's why I lean on prayer so much. And God is, you know, help, help, you know, help me make these decisions so fast, but yeah. You know, I, you really threw me for a loop. I thought you were going to say forgive, but you know, what do I know? 
<laughs> well, they know that. They know they that, know that. We, we hammered that, <laughs> that horse. All right. So go ahead and share with us uh, if Startup Nation wants to get in touch with you, go get your book, Why Should I Forgive? How did they do that? Yeah, you can go to, again, DerekStone.online, and, and that's D-E-R-E-K. I have to spell that because there's 10 different ways to spell Derek Stone. So Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Stone.online. Uh, you can, there's an Amazon link there. You can check me out on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Derek28. Um, you can check me out on Instagram. All those links, by the way, are on my website at uh, DerekStone.online. So uh, you can check all that out. And all the podcasts that I've been on, you can check those out too there as well. All right, Startup Nation, I'm looking at his website right now, and he walks you through in his book the five steps um, that you can use to forgive someone in your life and get that healing um, in your life that you're desperately in need of but been avoiding this whole time because you didn't know before this show. But now you do. <laughs> so now it's time to do the work. Right. And get that healing, get that blessing in your life. Stop wondering why your life's not working the way you want it to work. If you're not willing to do the work, we just told you what the work looks like. I've mm -hmm. done it. Derek's done it. Your turn. <laughs> All right, Derek. Thanks for being on your first 100 K. I wish you God's love, peace and joy in your life, my friend. Peace. Thank you so much. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, over drinking or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight watching porn or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping... Your parenting is slipping. Your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me. I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.